Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, a podcast for Catholics who love tradition and want more of it. This is episode 55. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by a number of fantastic guests and our regular co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. First, our wonderful return guest, Billy Griffith of OK Catholics, and another return guest as well, Father Stephen Marsh. Welcome, my friends. Good to see you. Hey, how you doing? So on this podcast, we have, we bit the bullet and we've decided that we are finally going to discuss one of our favorite pastimes and forms of entertainment, anime. Yes, you heard it right. Anime. We, uh, polled our friends on Instagram and they actually said that they would like to see a anime podcast. So you asked and here it is anyway. So guys, how's your week? What's up? Uh, so, William, this Hajima Mashde. Is this what the whole podcast is going to be now? I'm going to think of all the lines we can say in Japanese. It was here that Chris realized he had made a terrible mistake. Oh my gosh. This is going to be a fun podcast to edit. So, Just you guys. When Chris goes, Nani? Nani! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is gonna be what the podcast is, guys. You're in for a yeah. wild ride. So um Brooke and I and Mike and I guess it was the three of us have been kind of tossing around the idea of doing this podcast for a while. Brooke, why why did you want to do a podcast about anime? Uh I wanted to do this uh episode, particularly because of the misconceptions that people have about anime. Um, Even if, you know, those people aren't uh, Catholic or Christian or whatever, they just assume anime is, you know, a broad title that you throw on Japanese pornography or Pokemon (laughs) or Sailor Moon. It's just like, no, no, it's not true. (laughs) It's very Um, much not true. It's very much not true. It. Uh, I, I've been watching anime since I was in the seventh grade. So when I was exposed to anime, that is not what I had assumed anime was. Because I grew up knowing about Sailor Moon. And, you know. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was a huge Dragon part Ball, of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Those. It, that th- those shows were just big on television. Period. Not just because they were anime, anime, but because they were really popular shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's always been a part of my, you know, I want to say a part of my life from that point on. Um, I've been exposed to a lot of different animes, a lot of different stories or narratives, if we want to say that instead. Um, some good and some terrible. Some I wish I didn't watch and some I'm really glad that I did. 
And uh, I want to share my love for some really good directors, some really amazing artists, voice actors, music. Like you get a lot of stuff out of the anime genre. I think a lot of people just kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater with it. You know, they just assume it's something bad based off of the bad stuff they've heard. And uh, I think it's it's annoying. I think it's either that thinking that it's bad stuff or that it's just not like people say, oh, it's a cartoon, then it must be for children. Yeah. Or or because they've seen really bad anime like Sailor Moon. Uh Because that was the assumption I had. I remember my my older sister, Catherine, was um, super into anime. And uh, this was like when I was in high school. No, it was when she first went to university. So I mean, I was in high school, but she uh, got into like an anime group and she was telling me like, oh, you gotta, you gotta watch all this great stuff. And there's, you're going to love these shows and anime is so amazing. And I was like, yeah, um, I've seen like, you know, Dragon Ball Z. I kind of sort of didn't mind a little bit, but I don't really want to get into other things. And Sailor Moon was really weak. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And so like, I just ignored it for the longest time and she kept trying to show me stuff. And I was like, this is stupid. Like why, would anyone want to watch us? And I feel like that's the that's the process that all people go through to getting to the point of watching anime if you're in Western culture, um, <laughs> because you typically don't. Most most people I hear it's like a similar story. They're really opposed to it at first. They think it's dumb. They think it's childish. They think it's stupid. And then eventually someone hooks them with a good story, and suddenly now it's like, wow, there's actually a lot of depth and thought into this. Or you know, maybe it's just something light and fluffy and cute. And you're just like, oh, that was enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whatever the different appeal is, but um, you have to find the right one that kind of connects to someone to break that, um, uh, that, that misconception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think anime can do things with narr- with narratives that the typical, um, you know, like live actors can't do. Oh yeah. Especially with like conveying an emotion or breaking the third wall or fourth wall, whatever. Um, One of the walls, you know? Yeah. (laughs) All the walls. Um, You're down all the walls. But like, if we were to watch a live action of someone feeling like, you know, very, very sad, it can only get to a certain level, but anime can like push it so far with, you know, just like art. And uh, it's refreshing and fun and interesting and colorful and vibrant. And, you know, it has its own cinematography, director, Mm -hmm. director, like any other performance or movie would. Yeah. Billy, how did you get into anime? Oh, boy. Uh, So when when we were growing up in the 90s, um, my family didn't have cable. And so back when uh, television was on analog and you had the rabbit ears and you had to tune in all the different channels, my brother and I were looking for Saturday morning cartoons and we had this really old uh, CRTV that had like dials, uh, two separate sets of dials that you had to change to turn to the the major channel networks and then like the, the subsets of those. So we were just going through one by one and eventually we found a channel. We were actually picking up a channel from South Carolina and it was playing 
Dragon Ball Z yeah. and Sailor Moon. Uh-huh. And so like we turned it on, we could barely get any reception. And we saw this and this was a brand new animation style. We'd, we'd never been exposed to before. It was about a bunch of guys just karate fighting all the time and blowing up mountains. <laughs> and so it, it immediately peel, appealed to my brother and I. So we left it on and, and we were hooked immediately. And then, you know, Sailor Moon was just the only other thing that was on uh, that was in a similar animation style. So we would leave that on. Uh, and that was actually at the six o'clock hour in the morning. So from six to seven, we would be able to watch Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. And then they would switch over to like Astro Boy, which, you know, we didn't really like that much. Um, yeah. It just didn't appeal to us. Like in uh, the storytelling and uh, Astro Boy and its um, translation and its, uh, you know, the, the issues of, of importing it over didn't uh, fully translate mm-hmm. all the way. So we, we didn't really like it. And then we would switch back to like what other, what else we could get, like Kids WB or Fox Kids or anything else uh and then you know over time uh we what did we see imported to the mainline channels like pokemon was one of the first one of the earliest that was brought over and we had been playing the game boy video games for so long so it was just natural to watch the anime and then uh yugioh um mega man x like all these like slow trickle of shows but then we had friends that had Cartoon Network. They had cable. Yeah. So like <laughs> they ported over all these other anime. And then in about 2001, they started uh, Cartoon Network, which is a big network here in America, uh, started Adult Swim, which was a later time slot for their shows where they would show the, quote, more adult anime. And so that's how we got to see Trigun, Cowboy Bebop, Full Metal Alchemist, the original, not not Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, um, and and the like, and that just like immediately pulled me in, and I just I loved it. I lived to get up at Saturday morning at six o'clock just so I could watch Dragon Ball Z. Like that show hooked me so hard, and I loved every minute of it. That's awesome. Um, so I guess I have kind of a a similar story, but. It's it's more like a prodigal son story because <laughs> I originally like when I was younger I definitely watched uh, I have um, specific memories of watching Samurai Pizza Cats. Do you guys oh, remember yeah. that one? Oh, yes, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. So I watched Samurai Pizza Cats and I watched Sailor Moon. Um, I never got into Dragon Ball Z, um, but I watched those two. Um, but then I just kind of forgot about it. Um, and then, uh, fast forward almost what, 25 years later, 20 years later. And, uh, I encountered my friend, father, Steve, who, uh, said to me one night when he was visiting, uh, yeah, we should, uh, we should watch some anime sometime. And I just went, what was my, what was my response, Father Steve? Tell 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 the story from your perspective. Tell the people. Um, I don't remember your spe- your specific response, other than you were just like, "Yeah, no, like <laughs> that sounds really unappealing and dumb." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think you were making comparisons with other things that you had seen. I'm like, no, 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 trust me, it's not like that. I've been through this. I've been where you are. 
and you just have to trust me and let me take you on the journey. And, and I, I tried, I tried some, uh, there was a couple I tried unsuccessfully with you that like, we'd get through one episode and you were immediately like, eh, no, like this is, this is so dumb. What did I try first? Do you remember? I don't remember. I, really I don't, don't remember. All I know is that there was one that worked. And, yeah. uh, that was, and that, was, was it Steins Gate first? No. No. I it swear was it was Attack on Titan. It was, it was, was Attack, Attack on Titan. Titan. That was the first one. It was one? Attack okay. on Titan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Attack on Titan was the one that you introduced to me. And, uh, like at first it seemed quite, uh, fantastical and just like not necessarily as i don't know down to earth as as like the shows i normally like to watch and then um and then father steve starts kind of breaking open the backstory of like what's happening and like the philosophy of what's happening in this story and then suddenly i'm like oh wow this is amazing let's keep going um so yeah so Attack on Titan was a huge game changer for me. And then it was like, yeah. And then the ball got rolling. Now I'm not as huge of an anime watcher just because I'm pretty busy. I don't watch as much as Father Steve would. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely something that I, I love now in a big way. And I think in terms of the media that I consume, I would say that anime takes up probably 75% of that just because mm. I I actually find it and this is something that we'll kind of maybe talk about later but I find that it's a lot safer than a lot of the media that you find in places like Netflix or like yep. Amazon Prime or whatever or just on regular TV um so but but that's a topic for a little later so for you guys, I wanted to ask, maybe we'll start with, with Brooke first. Um, Brooke, what are your favorite animes? <laughs> so this is like the hardest question ever. It's, isn't it? Like I, <laughs> it's I so spent difficult. so long going over this question. Yeah. So like currently My Hero Academia is like right up there. I love that show. I love, I love everything about it. It is so fun. Um, next I have to say for my most favorite nostalgic one, it's going to be Full Metal Alchemist. Wolf's Reign is on there too. Um, for probably the most different, it would be Ergo Proxy because for me, it was like a total shift in genre that I wasn't really exposed to for anime and done in a particular way. And then for, I don't know, my other top one, probably the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Well, that's an, that's a <laughs> but I love so many. Like wow. I can't just can't just group them together. They're you know, it's like me trying to pick my pa- my favorite breakfast sandwich. They're all good. <laughs> They're all breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Made by me. That's right. Billy, how about you? Oh man. Um, so my, my top three would probably be Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is going to hold the number one spot for me. It's so um, good. It, it's, it's so good. It's such, I mean, this is one of the rare animes that actually has a very good dub 
as well. Yep. Um, the soundtrack for it is incredible. The art style, the cinematography, the direction, the story, it's just, it's so good. And it's contained to just one season. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just fantastic. Um, Re Zero is one of the newer ones. Yes. That I really, really enjoy. Uh, <laughs> it's just very, um, deeper than I anticipated it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially about the nature of, of, uh, human, the human person, but in particular the protagonist and his character development. I really enjoy that. And then the rising of shield hero is another newer one that I just fell in love with, um, because it's, it's the same style as ReZero and it follow, like the character development that takes place is, is great. And it, ha- it actually subverts a lot of, uh, fantasy tropes in its, uh, first few episodes that I really, really enjoyed. But I mean, You've got like Full Metal Alchemist is is great. I think Brotherhood was a far better story, but the original like was what I grew up with, so I still have a fondness for that. Bleach uh, is another yeah. one that I grew up with, so it's like it's another one of those power fantasies that I just loved. Um, one Punch Man, My yeah. Hero Academia, <laughs> uh, Demon Slayer, Goblin mm. Slayer, like those are just the mm. animes that I I really gravitate to and enjoy. Uh, wherever there's fighting, <laughs> that's the, those are the ones I like. Wherever there's fighting, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's what you know. One Punch Man, I love that because yeah. it's just it's hilarious. It's it's, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's it, and that's another like with the art style. It really plays with the different art styles and the subversion of power fantasy tropes, and it's just so hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Father Steve. Okay, so. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I'm going to remember this because there's just so many things. So I actually brought up my, I opened up my anime list, of my top rated ones. So I've got some similar ones to you guys like Attack on Titan and uh, My Hero Academia, um, uh, One Punch Man, Trigun. Trigun was uh, a bit of a watershed moment for me as well when I eventually got to watching it because mm-hmm. it was, I, it, it was just so, um, the, the the twists and the contemplation and the pondering of the, the philosophy of life and many other things like that's one of the things I really like about anime is the ones that really delve into like pondering over questions about ourselves and who we are and why we're here and they contemplate that they don't always do it correctly they sometimes come to an incorrect conclusion and Trigon was one of those that like I was with it for so long and then it just kind of veered off and I was like oh it's so almost Christian it's like it's as though they've been so impacted by Christianity, but someone hasn't proclaimed Jesus to them and they just don't know. But if they, mm-hmm. if they heard, then they would be like, yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I loved, uh, uh, you know, Demon Slayer is also a really good one. Promised Neverland. You guys forgot to mention that. that My gosh. Cool. Yes. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Um, Violet Evergarden. I really enjoyed that one's on Netflix. That's a really, really good one. That's a, that's a beautiful, uh, by the way, if anyone is ever, uh, if you've got Netflix and you want to watch Violet Evergarden, please, please watch the. It's the so worth sub. it. Um, you know, I mean, the dub was not too bad as well. I watched that with my mom. I actually got my mom to watch it. She watched the whole thing and liked it. And she has a <laughs> wow. hard time paying attention to TV. So, all right. If that's like a, if you want an entryway into something, it's a real heart wrenching thing. Um, another, uh, I, I like a lot of comedies as well. So like, uh, haven't you heard I'm Sakamoto was a really great one. 
um uh also uh hinamatsuri um hunter hunter another really oh, excellent one yes that's a good one and uh, uh another actually a netflix movie that i want all of you guys to watch that we should watch together is a silent voice Mm. Um, if you like Violet Evergarden, you'll definitely like this. It's another like real heart wrenching, powerful story. Um, really, really good. It's about a about a girl who is uh, uh, deaf in school, and she is kind of teased by people. And this one boy in particular teases her, and he immediately ends up becoming. Well, at first, like people are kind of laughing with him to mock her. He ends up becoming shunned because of it and it indirectly results in him being bullied. And so then mm. it's this kind of awkward him trying to figure out how to come back to normalcy from having been bullied so hard. And he feels bad and wants to interact with her. But at the same time, he doesn't want to interact with her just because he's guilty. And there's like this weird, you know, trying to reconcile between the two of them. And uh, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I cried for like the first hour, almost wow. straight. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Um, Erased, you guys. That's another mm. really great one. Mm. Um, and uh, that—that's a real, like, kind of think it out kind of sh- um, mm-hmm. show. And uh, another one I think you guys really ought to watch. That's been around for a long time. It's called Bunny Drop. It's mm. it's like a totally out of left field anime that you would have never heard of, but it's it's just about like this little girl who is uh, her parents die. She's like I want to say eight or seven or something like that. Her parents die, and the way that Japanese culture is, I guess, like they kind of almost shunned her and shunned her family. I can't remember. There's some reason that they shunned the family, and so no one knows what to do with this girl. And they're all oh, it's the um she was the illegitimate daughter of the grandfather. So the grandfather of the family was out playing hooky with someone. And so she, and then the grandfather died. And so everyone's like, Oh, it's that girl. That's the product of our dad, you know, who's younger than all of us and no one wants to take her. And this one son just kind of defaults into, I guess I'll take her. And then it's this beautiful story of them. He has no idea how to be a father and he kind of has to raise her. And it's, it's just a really nice story. Yeah. I have someone I'd like you all to meet. His name Hello is there. Mike. <laughs> oh. He's my buddy. He is back from helping the baby. We were just talking about our favorite animes. Cool. Do you have some favorite animes, Mike? I do. I don't know which ones you guys mentioned, though. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. What are your favorite animes? Oh. Um, okay. Generic. Common ones first, Attack on Titan. Um, (laughs) Definitely One Punch Man. Definitely My Hero Academia. Um, Cowboy Bebop. Obviously, I'm not a very original. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I was going to say, like, what we can see here is we've listed, you know, several names of various shows, all of them with pretty different narratives. So it's not like we're all just saying the same, you know, the same shows over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. We have a taste in certain stories. We are intrigued by certain characters or we relate to certain characters in one show and not in another. 
Sense. Yeah, like some of us can love the great story and like whirlwind that they carry you through in a show like ReZero, which captivates the heart and the great protagonist and all kinds of depth <laughs> to it. And then other people will be like, oh, and it's so dumb and boring. I wish it was a raccoon girl instead. Then I'd like it so much better. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we. To be fair, that show also ended up not being that good. <laughs> It's one of Billy's favorites. You just insulted. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's it's one of the better isekais that I've I've seen. Um, it's just just so- leave. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but again, it just reflects like we all just have a different taste. It's not like you can lump all anime in in a pile and say it's all good or it's all the same. Whatever. Yeah, some people. Yeah, initially well, we were. But that's okay. Initially, we were saying like, oh, yeah, she's best girl, better than Rem, mostly just to uh, (laughs) provoke, grind your your gears or whatever, you know. Um, Grind my gears. Grind my gears. Because Rem is is my best girl. (laughs) (laughs) Which we we can explain in a minute what a best girl is. But anyway, continue on. Uh, I'll leave that one to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we. I ended up getting bored of the show after that. <laughs> Funny. Um, you know, we're we're talking a lot about um, anime in really in the context of a television series, um, but you know, another uh, aspect to this is just the the animation style in general. And mm-hmm. I know that like um, anything, nearly anything that Studio Ghibli puts out, oh yeah, um, anything yeah. by Miyazaki is almost you just reminded me. A hit it was Princess me. Mononoke that got me into anime. Oh my gosh, that what, movie was that? What's what broke it for me? Yeah, that was huge. <laughs> I remember when that was brought to America, and like, beef, again, as a kid, I didn't have cable, so. I, I saw Entertainment Tonight, which is, you know, one of the primetime entertainment shows, like news shows that we have here. It, it, they had like this coverage about the spectacle that was Princess Mononoke and the voice cast they were getting for it mm-hmm. and just how great of a film it was. And my goodness, did it live up to its name? Yeah. It was yeah. fantastic. You know, the, the one that got me the most interested in Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli was, um, Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I cried one. so many times during that film. Still one of the highest grossing animated films in Japan. Yeah. 20 years later. Yeah, they still do uh, limited releases here in the States yeah. where they'll do uh, just a Studio Ghibli weekend and theaters mm-hmm. will be rented out just to show Miyazaki's films. Yeah. Nice. All, all of them are good. All of, yeah. sorry, all of the, the Ghibli movies have something to take away from them, honestly. Yeah. Now, speaking of Miyazaki, I don't know if you guys know about this, but didn't he have kind of like a, I don't know, like a, a rant against kind of the dark side of the anime industry a few years ago, where he was kind of like, upset with some of the like the reputation anime was getting from like the crude side of 
all the shows coming out and stuff like that. Cause he's always been one of the big kind of visionaries and like people that really push animated movies as an art form. Yeah. But in certain circles, there's also like the really degenerate side of anime too. Right. So he's, I, I kind of respected him even more for pushing back against that side of like people giving anime a bad name for making bad shows. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look back at the the history of anime, it didn't start with bad shows. It started like, you know, how cartoons started here. We're talking, you know, the early 1900s and, you know, slowly progressed into another form of narrative, you know, and uh, it wasn't meant for those dark things that people make. It never was. Well, I think it was, is kind of uh, very similar to just how like, you know, how comics have developed that you have, you have comics, which are just lighthearted stories of whatever. And you have others that get really intense. I mean, you've got lots of your superhero comics. You've got everything like there's uh, tons that's available out there, depending on how, um, uh, who's looking for it. And it's just, japan's version of like manga which is for those who've not heard that word that's just the word for um japanese comics so they they typically come out first in print and uh uh, people will get copies of those they'll come out you know bit by bit and then usually if one gains enough popularity they'll decide to animate it and i think that's one of the biggest differences between the japanese culture and the american culture is we tend to, whenever comics end up becoming like something big enough that they want to make it into a show, uh, it's only ones that are targeted towards children, um, and, and fairly, fairly young. And, um, the ones that maybe might become, they think like, let's, this is like a more adult one. Uh, typically they tend to be a lot more edgy and dark, um, mm-hmm. instead of being just, interesting <laughs> you know and good uh and targeted towards adults it's like they it's like almost like our culture thinks that uh, and this is kind of getting back to what chris said earlier that a lot of uh, uh, american and canadian tv you often get this um really that the, the only way that it can be a good tv show is if it's very edgy and then you've got to have as many sex scenes as possible and you've got to have like there's a lot of specific formula of things to hit. Now, obviously, to a certain degree, Japan ends up falling into that as well. Uh, but um, uh, there tends to be richer, deeper stories, I find, uh, uh, at least today, especially. Like, I remember there was a lot of shows I grew up on that uh, and movies that I really loved and I thought were like really uh, um, gave you a lot to ponder, gave you a lot to really think about. I mean, I like, can even just think about something like, the matrix, you know, what that was such a huge moment for a lot of people that they're like thinking, you know, what is real? What is, you know, not you. I mean, obviously in the end you come down and you see what, what it really is about, but it was philosophical. It was, it was something that gave you something to ponder on and draw upon. And then, and then you see the develop or other things that really did a development of character and, and speak to uh, the problems and difficulties we have in life and anime 
Um, like today, I mean, in, in Western culture, I find we've just kind of abandoned story. We've abandoned anything interesting for the sake mm-hmm. of just do the blockbuster hit kind of ideas, um, throw in a lot of sex, throw in a lot, be crude, be extremely surprising. Uh, so long as you do things that shock people as much as possible, now you got a good show. Like that's kind of the idea. Whereas uh, for anime, they, I mean, you obviously have all range of things, but there's a lot more typically I find shows there that are more engaging and interesting. And they, I feel like they spend more time contemplating and pondering philosophical ideas. And, and, and I mean, some of them end up becoming tropes. Some of them end up becoming overused because there's usually like some really popular animes that popularized something and then other people run with it, but they still tend to look at that kind of thing and they tend to uh, look at how to, um, you know, back with what Brooke was saying about like the, the, the emotional nature of a lot of the shows, they, the expressions and everything they do is very hyper emphasized and they're big on like, it's, it's always go big or go home in many ways. Um, and so that expressiveness, it, it makes the art come alive. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's something, and that's, that's what's really beautiful about it is that, um, it can tap into certain emotions and ideas and thoughts in a, in a much more profound way than you typically get from your regular show. I mean, if you've got maybe a really high budget, you can manage to pull it off or you have to have like really great acting. Kind of the beauty about anime is you can have people who are not necessarily the best voice actors and yet the expressions carry so much in the faces and you have certain tropes of knowing like, you know, when someone, uh, uh, when you see a visual cue, you know, this is what's happening. And so it doesn't matter whether or not the voice gets it across. I mean, it's obviously better if you have a better voice actor, but you, you know, you learn like, uh, uh, what certain facial things mean. Um, which is again, another hump that it kind of takes to get over to like anime because sometimes people see them and they don't understand what those visual cues are yet because you haven't learned them. And then so you just kind of like, why is there a giant water drop hanging over a person's face? Like, What's that all about? You know, yeah, where did yeah. that come Why from? Why did his nose start bleeding profusely? Yeah. <laughs> what is that like weird vein thing on his head? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why does he now, keep pushing up his glasses with his middle finger? Yeah. <laughs> the angry vein confused me a lot at first. I was like, that looks like um, the thing from Back to the Future, flux capacitor. Flux capacitor. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Now he can oh, travel through time <laughs> as long as he goes 88 miles an hour. Yeah. Now, I, I was meaning to say like the problems that you'd find in anime are typically the problems you would find in just about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people say that anime is just one thing because of X, it's like, no, no, it's not the anime's fault. It's not anime as a medium's fault. It's how it was used. Mm-hmm. And I think we all mm-hmm. can agree with that. One thing that you don't really find in anime as much as you do in other things, and maybe Chris was going to get to this, was blasphemy is not something that typically happens in most shows. 
the hearing the the name of our Lord and said in bad mm-hmm. in a bad way or anything like that, like which uh, is in like you know every Hollywood movie now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The and- closest that they ever come is they'll say like curses, like the mm-hmm. word curses. They'll be like ah curses, you know, like that's that's like you know. It's just a generic thing, like you know, I'm I'm upset, I'm angry. So that's like the worst that they ever get with uh, um, any kind of um, blasphemy. Yeah, mm. yeah. I I find myself increasingly unable to turn on hardly anything, and mm-hmm. and I've almost like in a way said like, okay, I can bet that there will either be nudity or blasphemy in the first five minutes of a show that's produced by Netflix, for example. And I have been almost without a doubt, right. Every single time with a new movie that comes out from, or a show that comes out like that's produced specifically by Netflix. Um, It's like they've made business out of, out of blasphemy. I don't understand. Anyway, it's just, it's yeah, I hate it. I hate it. And that's why I turned to, to anime, you know, anyway. Well, and on the flip side of that, you'll often see like, just because we're, they're coming from the Eastern perspective, you'll see that the treatment of Western religion tends to be very irreverent and Mm -hmm. caricaturized. Um, so especially when it's overt references to something like the Catholic church, um, you see stuff like that in animes like Berserk, for instance, uh, where the, the, one of the more powerful forces that happens to be sadomasochistic in this world is the, the Holy church, which is a very clear caricature of, of the Catholic church, um, even Samurai Champloo, uh, episode 19, they, they have a caricature of St. Francis Xavier, who, you know, was a Portuguese monk that went to evangelize in Japan. And so they totally make a mockery of, of him. And, I don't even remember that. Yeah. So I remember long. when I saw that and I was just, I was really turned off by Samurai Champloo after that. Um, Gintama also has a episode where Francis Xavier shows up and it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I mean, yeah, so there, he just gets, he shows up and he gets upset for having a tonsure. He's like, I'm going to, I'm so mad with my barber right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, so there are, there are some treatments of a particularly Western religion that aren't, aren't treated very well. Um, but, mm-hmm. and, and also their treatment of human sexuality is very different than mm-hmm. what you would see here in America, in the West. Like you, you would never see in the West the bouncing bosom or zoom ins <laughs> and close ups or the, the over emphasis of a woman's chest in the same way in our culture as it is in, in Japan. So, there are trade-offs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they also have vending machines in Japan that sell women's undergarments. So there's Yeah, that. it's an odd thing. So like I, I've had friends that have gone to Japan and, and talked about that and also about, again, the 
women's chest like very prominently on display sometimes they'll even have cakes shaped in that way that are just sold in vendors on the streets and at the same time the west the eastern treatment japanese treatment of pornography is is very um very i guess I i don't know how to say it with the western western mouth but it's it's all censored western or east japanese pornography is all censored and at the same time in their culture they celebrate this caricature of the woman's body so it, it's it's an it's an odd thing to the western eye to see that uh and then to apply it to their animation which we again typically you know associate with children's programming uh and i think that's like what you'll see in a lot of people reaction, like the reaction against anime will come from that perspective because they've only seen these examples. And mm. if they're gearing this for children, then what is that saying? How is that shaping children's minds, you know, and, and that kind of rhetoric? Yeah. All, I mean, I think those questions are valid though. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and um, it's not, you have to be incredibly selective, I would think. But at the same time, you have to be incredibly selective with every kind of media that you consume, right? Especially any kind of media yeah. that you're bringing into your home and showing your family. Um, you have to actually be very discerning with regards to that, for sure. I I went through my anime collection years ago. And there were some that I was just like, I can't have this anymore. Like... You know, since I came back mm. and, and really started taking my face seriously, I had stuff I didn't really like or stuff that was really bad. And I remember breaking the discs and throwing them in the garbage. This is like, I don't want my wow. kids to have this. I don't want anybody to have this. So I destroyed it. Wow. And, you know, when we go, when, when we go through the shows, we're always mindful of would we want to sit with, you know, our older kids and, and watch this someday? The answer is no. Mm, probably not. <laughs> and I've had similar, like I've had to do some purging of media in other places too, like books. For Like I used to have some, like I have a bunch of fantasy series and stuff. Some of them kind of smutty. And like, I remember when I had had kids and I had to think about like, do I want my kids growing up with this in the house and thinking back, like, you know, I read this many years ago and now like I kind of know better. (laughs) And it's the same with um, metal too. Like I had a whole bunch of CDs that I'd had since high school that are, just like, oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, get this out of my house. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of the same thing you've been saying. There's there's definitely bad anime out there. And there's also really bad metal and books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the... Like the bottom line, obviously, there is like you just have to be really discerning with what you with what you're consuming, right? Like, there's not 
there's not a hard and fast rule that says this, you know, this specific thing is good. This specific thing is bad. You know, like you have to, you have to be intelligent and, uh, and discerning and be prudent with what you bring in. So, um, yeah, Billy, you would, you'd actually put a bunch of very interesting quotes in our show notes. And I thought maybe we could dig into those. Um, the one from Intermerifica I thought was very interesting. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's one of the more powerful quotes, I think. So we're talking in the context of being discerning about the media we consume. And, you know, again, we, we, and we've already discussed like the reactions against, um, extremes you know we've seen it not only applied to anime but to cartoons i mean i remember when there was like hyper reaction against the simpsons when i was a kid like my parents were so against me watching the simpsons because you know was bart simpson was such a horrible example you know and i mean to my parents credit they're probably right but that's because the cartoon wasn't intended for a children's audience it was intended for adults so <laughs> there's the, the, there's that discerning that the prudence that has to take place and what we consume. But uh, what you'll see, I think often in Catholic circles tends to be this reaction against evil. And it's a, it's a good intuition, you know, to, to want to cut out evil from our lives, but to expand that desire to, um, all media that we consume and saying like, if, if everything that we're watching or listening to doesn't include Jesus, then we shouldn't be watching or listening to it is erroneous. And the church gives guidance on media uh, to consume and, and what we can do and what we can't do and how art influences the human mind, particularly the expression of beauty, but also the expression of human nature and uh, the the fall of man to the redemption of man. Uh, so I pointed out Intermerifica from Pope Paul VI, where he essentially says, you know, we can just actually read the quote right here if you like, Chris. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, Finally, the narration, description, or portrayal of moral evil even through the media of social communication can indeed serve to bring about a deeper knowledge and study of humanity and with the aid of appropriately heightened dramatic effects can reveal and glorify the grand dimensions of truth and goodness. Nevertheless, such pre presentations ought always to be subject to moral restraint, lest they work to harm rather than benefit souls particularly when there is question of treating matters which deserve reverent handling or which, given the baneful effect of original sin in men, could quite readily arouse base desires in them. And so like, I always focus on, you know, the what Pope Paul VI is saying, where the, the, the portrayal or description of moral evil in an artistic work can be justifiable. Is it always? No, but it can be in the greater context of the whole. And so that, that is usually my fallback defense for why Catholics can watch rated R movies and why Catholics can listen to metal and why Catholics can watch anime. You know, these, <laughs> because these are, this is the media, this is art, this is uh, open to interpretation. And we, like you again say, we have to discern 
and uh, exercise the gifts that God has given us in our intellect to to work through these. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's a really good point. I think one of the and I was talking to Father Steve about this earlier this week. Um, one of the things that I love about anime that keeps me coming back to it um, is the fact that they still, and, and Father Steve kind of alluded to that earlier, they still have a fundamental understanding of what is a good story. Um, and while, yes, they may have a twisted idea of, of certain areas of morality, they still have a, a, a general sense of the importance of the human virtues um and that's something that i that i really respect i was saying how uh you know you can watch something like my hero academia um which uh, for those who haven't watched it it's a story really of this uh this underdog kid who um essentially desires so badly to become a hero um and grow in that um essentially a heroic virtue no pun intended like he sets aside his wants and uh pursues growing into a hero even when he knows he doesn't have per you know what it takes quote unquote um but he ends up being able to become a hero in the end um and really um it's really inspiring but you know you know it means laying down your life for others it means putting aside those things that uh can harm you um but like you've got say for example that and then you've got the new star wars and <laughs> you've got um luke skywalker who you know spoiler alert but he goes from being this you know in the original trilogy a a hero to suddenly this really gritty character who who's incredibly flawed and uh you know isn't really interested in becoming a you know growing in virtue and um just becomes completely self-centered and self-focused and you're you know, at the end of, I remember at the end of, uh, what was it? Um, the second movie of the new trilogy. And I remember being like, what was that? Like, mm. I was so disappointed because I didn't see in it a person who was trying to grow. I, I didn't see somebody who was trying to become a hero. Um, I don't know. I find like, you know, at the end of the day, anime still has that do you guys agree with that or typically yeah i mean it all depends from from show to show of course but there is a lot more of that um i think it's a a typical cultural norm for them to want to make the best of themselves so to speak um Mm -hmm. now that sometimes gets colored by because it doesn't always generally have faith in it it's a self-made kind of virtue and growth. Uh, but there's still, because there's some human connection to that too, or to our, our basic nature, um, there's still a, a lot to be inspiring and interesting and, and, uh, contemplative about 
the things we wrestle with and how we might grow and get over them. Um, so like they definitely do tackle those issues more. I have a feeling like the Star Wars question, it's almost like um it's almost like the writers feel that in order to make a movie, make a story, you have to have someone go. They're they're like, well, Luke got too good. He be, he became too much of a hero. So we have to tear him down so mm-hmm. we can start over from scratch, basically. Like, um, which is not really how people typically go. Like, there's usually a you might have a uh, someone go through a difficult time. But the way he like so completely abandoned things seemed very atypical and bizarre uh, uh, to do as a character, as a person, as a human being. And so um, it really was more they shift the character just so they can tell the story that they want to tell. And the story is a little more thin and vague and doesn't have as much substance to it. Yeah. What I notice is like, especially in more cinema here than in uh you know animes is they want you in america they want you to relate to the character based on their flaws especially like now in the writing that we're seeing coming out Mm -hmm. so like these gritty angsty you know people that have made these mistakes or almost these anti-heroic people that Mm -hmm. you know no matter it's not like they try and change. They just have to go with whoever they are. And that's kind of how they achieve something. Whereas in a lot of the animes that we're attracted to, their narratives are growth in a change in a character, at least the good mm. ones, the successful ones. Yeah. Well, and- compared to something like the Avengers movies where it's typically not about like, I'm a character and I have a problem that like forces me to become a better person in some way to solve it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am a terrible person and Oh, look, there's a galaxy destroying monster. And I happen to have the power to stop it, even though I'm still a selfish jerk and I don't change at all. I just use my power yeah. to do like flashy punches and I win. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then it just kind of ends with now I get the girl or something like that. Like, yeah. just, or now we get shawarma. It's the case. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like news. Yeah. I mean, it can be. The... Sorry, go ahead, Brooke. Sorry, newsflash. If you have the power to stop evil, you are morally obligated to do so. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But I mean, <laughs> they they construct these stories so it's not like there's any dilemma, like. I could stop evil, but it costs me something. No, it's just like the whole world's going to be destroyed. And, you know, that would screw up my selfish billionaire lifestyle. So I better go use my robot suit and punch some stuff so I can go back to being a selfish jerk all the time. You know, like there's the the growth is is more superficial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to start with a character that, you know, has these flaws, but it's so important, I think, to people to see that person change and become better, mm-hmm. not just stay the same or, you know, expand on all of those faults to reveal something more complicated that, you know, doesn't pro- progress to something better. Mm-hmm. 
I, I want to give you guys uh, just want, uh, an example. Have you all seen Violet Evergarden? Yes. Yeah, I have yeah. not. <sighs> you you so haven't good. yet? You really got to watch it. Um, so I'll try and keep this relatively spoiler-free. I, well, I would anyway, because not everyone out there has watched it. But um, the one of the things that I like about how you see a lot more frequently, at least in anime, where they try to come at some of these issues from a very unique sort of perspective. So in, in this, in this series, um, it's about this girl who was essentially a war tool. So she was, uh, raised purely to like learn how to fight and to combat and to, you know, kill people essentially. She, and so she was raised from like a little girl with that sole purpose. So like war is all she knows. And, um, she ends up losing her, um, the, her, her superior, uh, the, the sergeant or the captain, I can't remember the term. Um, and he, uh, he dies and she is, um, or there's, there's a question, there's a question around his death and they end up, uh, uh, she, the whole show starts with the war is over. So like, that's just sort of like the backstory. And now she has to live like a normal life, but she doesn't know how to, like, she doesn't know how to interact with people. She doesn't know how to live in a regular world because all she understands is war. And so she almost is almost kind of robotic, which is ends up being symbolized by the fact that she has, um, she lost one of her arms in war and they gave her like this metal. Did she lose two? She lost both of them. No, just one. Is it both? Oh yeah. Maybe you're right. It's both. Yeah. So she's got these, she's got these metal arms and metal hands. Uh, They don't explain how they work. You just kind of like brush by that and assume they have the technology (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Uh, um, It's almost in like a steampunk style kind of thing ish. But anyway, she, um, she is, so she, she just kind of like interacts with the whole world in a very cold and, uncertain fashion and yet the one thing she hangs on to is that her uh superior had told her uh that he loved her and she was like i don't understand what that is and so the development of the whole story is seeing how she's then put in a position where she has to write love letters for people and becomes her job and she has no idea what love is. And so she uses it as an opportunity to try and learn what love is. And so she's talking to people and, and hearing their stories. And there's this whole thing of her growth of how she comes to terms with loss, with understanding love, with relationship, with learning how to feel, um, to learn how to operate in a normal world that like her whole world was seeing death. And now she's like, now what? And so it really like addresses sort of broken humanity of how people who've gone through severe traumas in their life, um, how much it messes with your head and how much it makes it very difficult or almost impossible to interact in a normal world and how that the weight of that being carried with you. And then you see her slowly becoming more human, uh, slowly discovering her humanity, slowly discovering love and all of these other things. And it's just an absolutely beautiful, well done, um, uh, series. Um, and yeah, and that's uh, the, the fact that there's like stories like that 
that mm-hmm. I mean is a little bit on the surface if you're if you're familiar with anime, you might have a slightly different vision in your head because when I talk about like a war-torn past and stuff, you probably think like everyone's robots and like, you know, it's like crazy <laughs> super skills and whatnot <laughs> and slightly a bit, but uh, it, it really is more, it's more, it's a very like relaxed show. It's just about her. You just know there's this past. Her past is just there. And it's, and it's really, they make it very real in many ways, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a beautiful story of a, of a person trying to figure out how to be a person, which to me speaks so much to how we all are, that we're, we're always looking for understanding what it means to be human. Um, and I mean, ultimately, that goal comes in discovering the love of Christ um, and knowing the love of God in our lives. Um, and it even though it doesn't speak of that in any kind of direct way, it uh, definitely connects on that same level, um, which is why I think like the beauty behind it, you often see that for people, for many people who are making these who are not themselves Christian and sometimes are even, you know, really not interested in the Christian church in any kind of way, they remarkably touch on many deep Christian ideals, which, uh, which was I, I really like that quote that you gave from uh, I can't remember which pope you said, uh, Billy about uh, the the oh uh, Intermurifica Pope Paul the sixth. Okay, yeah, and so so talking about how um, we can sometimes see great beauty and we can see great depth in shows even if they're not necessarily talking about Jesus, um, because we're uh, if it's pursuing that good, if it's pursuing what is truth. Um, even if they don't have it all right, they're on that path and it mm. speaks elements of that truth. And I, and I think that's something that we need more of in many ways. Cause sometimes we get, um, I'm going a bit off tangent here, but I find that sometimes as Catholics, we think that, um, you know, something or even just Christians in general can sometimes get a little over judgmental about, um, anyone who is not of their own ilk, so to speak. If you don't believe what I believe, if you don't think what I think, um, then, you know, like if there's, if there's an author, I don't like this author. You know, this author is a very bad man or has very crazy ideas. And yet, sometimes they might actually speak the truth. And yet I find some, uh, typically what often happens is that if we know there's like an author we don't like or a, a person that we don't like what they have to say, we automatically box them and say that person can do no good. Um, I think a great example of this, uh, uh, is it okay if I get political? Go for it. <laughs> uh, a great example of this is Trump. You know, you look at, uh, now I, I know it's a very different story that's told in America and Canada. Canada on a whole hates Trump, absolutely despises the guy. And truth be told, the guy's got a lot of <laughs> crazy ideas and has a lot of vice in his life. There's a lot of problems with that man. Um, but he's done some good things. And, and I think that you can sometimes have people on one side of the scale who will say that, you know, that man can do no good. There's no possibility because he's just a crazy lunatic. And all Americans are like crazy, insane people for thinking anything positive about him. 
Um, and then on the other side, some people who are like, the man can do no wrong. It's like he just yeah. steps on gold everywhere he goes. And everything that issues from his mouth is the voice of God himself. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's crazy. Like, if you heard some of the things he said about women, that should disturb you. <laughs> like, just on a very basic level. Um I feel like I'm back in the uh, previous Billy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Except Father Steve is talking this time. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, and and that's, and that's basically a thing is I think that we can, um, you know, if we look for where the beauty and truth is and we just call truth for truth and we call evil evil and we're just straight about it. Um, but there's nothing to say that, um, which is actually another, Another interesting idea that a theme that often comes up in anime more typically is they don't produce villains who are, they do sometimes produce villains that are just caricatures and are just all out evil, but we don't typically get this Disney idea of here's the bad guys and they're just very evil bad guys. And then the good guys go fight the bad guys and destroy the bad guys. Um, it's often you see a lot more of like the villains who are, you know, struggling with their own junk and they're, and you sometimes spend some time wondering about like, what is their perspective? Where are they coming from? You can feel more for why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, even if it's completely wrong, you see the humanity of it. You hear, see the struggle of it. And sometimes you see some of those things where they, um, uh, uh, maybe are grappling with something that is true and dealing with that. Now that is coming up a little bit more sometimes in, uh, in cinematography today. They're experimenting with that a little bit, but, uh, in anime, it's often very neutral. There's like, they never look at, there's no, there's, you know, unless it's just a fight em up anime. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are some of those. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. Like that was one thing I really liked about Princess Mononoke. Uh, mm. that we mentioned before. I remember being so impressed when I was watching it that, you know, they start setting up like there's this, you know, stuff in the world, this evil in the world that's lurking around. And then it kind of comes up that, well, you know, all the people that would be considered the villains in this are more just kind of neutral. They're people just trying to deal with the world and cope with the world. And uh, they're dealing it with their own way and some do it in a good way and some do it in not so good a way. Um, but it, it humanizes everything, which I think is also something we can learn today that we often want to just pin someone as a villain. Um, and that makes it easier to just pin them as a villain instead of saying, well, we're all trying to make good decisions and some of us are just worse at it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's circumstances that have brought a person to that place and it doesn't necessarily mean it's excusable, but we can at least have greater love and sympathy for them to try and lead them to the truth than just writing them off. A good example of this is a uh, gentle criminal from my hero. <laughs> I think I'm at two. <laughs> oh yeah. Gentle criminal. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Right? I mean, he's he's a great and example how of a his guy. sidekick is bothered by tea blowing in her face. Hot tea. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the thing. I mean, they go into how he's got a past, how he wanted to be a hero, you know, and uh and failed and how that kind of played into things. 
Um, I think there's an important, an important distinction that I will mention is, you know, we see this often in some of the Disney movies that they're coming out with now. Like, for example, Maleficent, the yeah. old Sleeping Beauty. She was just straight up evil. But some cinema wants you to empathize and almost cheer on for the villain in some of those newer cinematic releases. And I think anime is able to make it so, no, this is a villain. They are doing bad things. Yes, they have a past, but they're still a villain. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? There's still, a, there's still a sense of they'll call what's wrong, wrong. Yeah. And, and we're mm-hmm. more like doing Maleficent and stuff like that is more uh, doing the anti-hero. Yeah. So you say, here's somebody who is doing something that's wrong, but we're going to kind of celebrate that what they're doing is wrong. Because they were cheated, like something yeah. bad happened to them. Like well, their their thought, revenge is worth it. Did anyone see um, the newest uh, uh, what? Birds of Prey. Uh, <laughs> no. Yes. yes. The heart, it was so. It was based on um, um, uh, Harley Quinn. Her Why is her name escaping me? Harley, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Har- Harley Quinn in that movie is, you know, she's a villain through and through. And they never make any excuses for it. And she ends up kind of like befriending this little girl who, because she ends up uh, uh, taking something, whatever, ends up being stuck along the uh, escapades that she's going on. And in the end, she all she does is just commits more villainy, more crimes. And that's all that ever happens. She never wants all of her growth that she goes through is just the growth of coming to, you know, uh, be more independent. She becomes an independent woman, criminal. That's all that destructive that's independent that woman. <laughs> yeah, she's now no longer Joker's woman. She's now her own woman, but also still just as much villain as before. Nothing changed. It's the and most now Hollywood thing she's I've got ever an heard. impressionable little girl who's become her sidekick. And it's, <sighs> it's like that type of thing just makes me so frustrated. Because it just says to people like, we're going to celebrate villainy. We're going to celebrate, um, cause it's, it's kind of like the, um, uh, um, oh, is it like, uh, Futurama? One of the lines that Bender says, he goes like, stealing theft is like one of the coolest crimes. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> the idea yeah. that people have of like, you know, oh, it's, it's, it, there's some crimes that are kind of cool because it makes you're it watching cool. Futurama, the show that doesn't advocate the cool crime of stealing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's right after Bender says that they jump to that little stinger yeah. before a commercial break. It's, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, thank you for remembering that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. But coming quickly coming back to what you were saying a little bit earlier, Father Steve, about how, like, when you watch Violet Evergarden, when when you're watching that show and you finish it, one of the things that I found myself doing was being a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more empathetic towards victims of abuse, mm-hmm. um, uh, towards people who have had you know, bad partners or bad parents or whatnot. And, you know, it, when a, when there's a good story, it should essentially help make us better. You know, it, it should help us to grow in, 
in those in those different ways you know i, I don't know i just think that uh yeah violet evergarden's a great example of that because i found myself afterwards being more aware of the struggles that that others have yeah i agree entirely like that is definitely a um like they 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 do a lot more to get you to empathize and i think that's mm-hmm. again coming back to the emotive element that they they capture uh they, they spend a lot of time trying to get you to see a window inside. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything is on the outside. Everything is on the outside. And which is yeah. kind of makes it a, where you sometimes get comedies in anime because they end up making it this comedic effect of like, everyone should know exactly what's going on here and see exactly what's happening. Like typical thing of like the, you know, romance guy likes girl, girl, or, and everything is way on the surface. And yet they're clueless. They're absolutely clueless. Well, it's more because it has to do with like, they're really overemphasizing it for us. So we see it and we can really get into it. Um, and, uh, uh, but maybe the characters themselves, you know, don't quite grasp it in the same way, but everything is on the surface so that you get pulled in and you end up really feeling what they feel and experiencing what they experience oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I find tends to be the case, um, at least in a lot of the things that I watch. I mean, you have others that are more just, uh, uh, you know, fun and light and whatever, but on a whole, like the expressiveness is just so much more in depth, which comes to one of the common phrases that you hear in the anime community, which we call the feels that mm. <laughs> <laughs> we often will refer to a particular show. Like, Oh, you ready? You know, we're all aboard the feels train. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of want to touch on, on father Steve's points too, in, in terms of the, the trend we've seen in Western media, particularly with American cinema and just the American uh, media in general. But this idea that, to relate to our heroes, we have to see them fall. We have to see them broken and we have to see their, their sin essentially, right? Usually what the hook is to, to humanize these great figures is to expose their sin and make them relatable. When the reality is that sin doesn't humanize a hero. It, it dehumanizes them. It actually shows it, it removes us further from what we are called to be it, as human beings, as virtuous beings, as beings in, in pursuit of union with God. But, and that, that made me think of some juxtaposition with anime. And I think particularly of my hero academia and, and the protagonist there, Deku is like, we, we see him start from a point of brokenness and it's not necessarily sin. It's just like, and, and, and his desire to be a hero. But there's something so noble about his journey to become a hero. And even though he has character flaws, every character has character flaws in this, he learns and he grows from them. And it's not this exhibition of him starting as a hero and then, ooh, you're finding out all about all of his sin to make him more relatable. Like, not even All Might is like that. It's, it's, these are heroic, noble characters that show us aspirational virtue. Whereas today in the West, what do you have? You've, you've got 
Captain America fighting with Iron Man and you've got Luke Skywalker, you know, discarding himself of all the the Jedi teaching. And you've got these heroes that are just turning into the anti-hero. And that's that's the celebration today. Yep. Brooke, what were you going to say? I was going to say, especially in terms of how, especially how we're supposed to relate to characters in certain ways, like the way Father Steve was talking about with Violet Evergarden and that, that experience and, you know, seeing emotions on the outside movies that come, that came from Studio Ghibli, especially in how they portrayed children and their interaction with traumas or hardships are absolutely phenomenal. Yes. You know, Spirited Away did an amazing job taking, you know, this little, well, how old was she? Like nine, 10? This young little girl removing her from her parents and forcing her to grow up in all of the best ways because she starts out as a spoiled little brat, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, changes because she wants to save her parents we have shows like ponyo where the main character is five but carries himself like he's much much older and portrays this innocence that's so refreshing and so wonderful especially in his relation in the main like the main boy's character and how he relates to his new friend ponyo and then you know even moving up to characters like oh i don't know nausicaa and and, you know, even the Princess Mononoke characters and whatnot, we can see their sensitivity in how we're portraying these, you know, highly complex people in highly complex situations. And sometimes it's just not the same way that we would do it in America. Mm. Yeah. One thing I was going to point out too is, um, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there was a, there was a petition, I guess, from a, a group of uh, SJWs who were essentially going after Funimation, which is a, a large anime corporation. Uh, and uh, essentially, they were trying to get Funimation to start incorporating more SJW themes into their animes. And so that just kind of gives you an idea that like, this is kind of a genre that hasn't really been greatly impacted by, you know, our Western uh, colonization. I don't know, ideological colonization. Um, And yeah. And there was a counter like petition or whatever to not, you know, to tell Funimation don't listen to these people. Like, you know, keep, keep producing what anime is because, you know, it's what we love. You know, it's the opposite of what we see in, in today's world in a big way. So I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting point too, that, um, yeah, there's people that are like, they're, they're trying to, to change anime to be more, uh, SJW friendly, but neat. <laughs> they they haven't really uh, crumbled to it the way most shows in the West have. I'd say, yeah, yeah. True. Do you guys have any father any final thoughts before we close out today's podcast? 
Uh, what could we recommend to our listeners? Uh, if we, if we had to recommend one anime thing for somebody who is not uh, familiar with anime, what would we recommend? That's tough. Because I would it, recommend again, it, all the Studio it, Ghibli movies. All of them. Yeah. To start, which one would you watch first? Spirited Away? I'd say Spirited Away. I would, Spirited away I would, would say, or, or even My Neighbor Totoro, if you want to watch with your kids. Oh, man, My Neighbor Totoro. That made yeah. Becky and I cry. We just watched it a little while ago. <laughs> just, yeah. We were weeping just like babies at the end of it. Too. <laughs> and the thing is, you don't have to commit to watching like a whole series. Just get it's a taste with some of the really, really well thought out films mm-hmm. that are done by some of the best directors best you know cinematic artists like well you know i i think if you're a person who likes avengers and all those other superhero movies that have been coming out definitely take a look at my hero academia yeah because and one it's, punch it's a similar vein and in fact it actually you'll see some characters are modeled after them like all might you look at him and be like, hey, he looks kind of like Captain America. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. a tribute to it. And there's a lot of tributes to um, uh, Western comics in this show. Um, so it'd be a good place to start if you're just kind of curious about the idea in general. And that's your speed of what you like. Um, I do I do think like Violet Evergarden is a really good one if you want a real good emotional uh, kind of thing to go through. Or even uh, a quiet voice. A silent voice, pardon me. Uh, the movie that's uh, another really good one. Um, it kind of depends what you like. I mean, there's some that are just very light and you know what we call slice of life, like they're just kind of showing some fun things that you know are what, what people are doing in everyday kind of thing. There's not a lot of it's just about the characters and what they uh, go through from day to day, and others that are much more in depth and intense. Kind of depends mm-hmm. what you like. Mm-hmm. Maybe something, something like your name. Maybe if you want, like a romantic one. I don't know. Yeah, that was a very good one too. It's a good movie. You'd have to rent that one. You can't uh, find it anywhere for free. I don't think. Yeah. Um, if you like, kind of like a a a a, a darker kind of theme, but like really, you know puzzle-minded you know having to figure out like who you know who done it type of thing like really having to think through something and uh uh, high stakes and that sort of thing finding neverland (laughs) it's a really good Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. Um, is it promised neverland right promised neverland sorry i keep yeah we we keep doing that because of the well the film that came out like 10 years ago the promised neverland yeah yeah it's a really good one yeah, and so, and by the way, just as a general note, if you're um, unfamiliar of where to watch any of this stuff, uh, there's a website called Crunchyroll.com mm-hmm. where you can watch. Uh, even if you there, you can get a paid service, but you can also watch for free. Um, so there's certain shows that they have on for free, and some of them, like as they're being simulcast from Japan, uh, it'll be like the week after they'll let you watch an episode. And you can't watch it in high definition, but you can like watch it or whatever. Um, so there's some like that that'll you can is a, is a place that you yeah. can watch some things for free with ads and stuff, right? With ads, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
and um, and Netflix and Hulu and are building their anime library pretty significantly too. Yeah. They're featuring more and more, which is is great. I love that it's becoming more accessible. Mm-hmm. If I were going to, like, I would, you know, I'm going to stick with my favorite anime, and I'm going to do what the person who turned me on to Cowboy Bebop told me is is watch Cowboy Bebop, but start with episode twenty. It's called Piero Le Fou. And it's a completely separate story from the main arc. So you're not missing anything by skipping around, but it demonstrates the quality of storytelling and cinematography and musical composition. And the, just this incredible, incredible visual storytelling. There's very little dialogue in that episode, but it's jam packed full of action and suspense and intrigue and a little bit of psychological horror um, definitely more for adults who are looking for something more action oriented uh, but that that is just so fantastic that hooked me onto cowboy bebop once i saw down and sat down and watched this it was so fantastic yeah i think um like again with father steve when he 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 came after me and wanted me to get into anime into anime. Um, the it took a lot of tries. It did, but I mean, I think one of the like I think Attack on Titan, if you you like really good art, <laughs> I don't know. I fi- I found it but it but it is jarring. So if you yeah. if if you're a psychological horror kind of person, There's- that's a good option. Um, yeah, strong violence and horror going on there. Like I've heard from quite a few people that it was like too disturbing to watch. Like, yeah, just because of violence and stuff. And yeah, even I had to take a break from it a few times. I kept on going back to it, but there were like some. Sometimes it was like this is too much, you know, because it, it does take a dark look at humanity. Um, Yeah, it puts the characters in really incredibly tragic and horrifying situations, and it makes you feel on behalf of those characters like you're scared, legitimately scared and horrified for them when these things happen. So yeah, 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 Uh, it's an intense one. A little note about um, uh, Attack on Titan when I when I first started watching it. I thought it was going to go in a direction uh, typical of some some shows where it's just about glorifying violence mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And just to let you know right off the bat, it is absolutely not that. It may appear like that at the beginning. The whole purpose of the, the kind of tying theme throughout all of uh, Attack on Titan, and the, the author has even commented on this as well, is really about how people misunderstand people. Mm. So the whole connecting theme through everything is how when people don't know what's going on, how when they don't have enough information and they don't understand what's, why someone else is doing what they're doing, that we can often make rash judgments and how we can, it all started. Apparently the idea behind the show came from, he was listening to a conversation of two people who were arguing and they were arguing the exact same point, but because they didn't understand what the other was trying to communicate, they didn't understand where they were coming from. They thought they disagreed. 
but they both were on the same page, but the, yet they were arguing. And he wasn't just reveling at this bizarre nature of humanity of how we can be so much at odds with people. And yet oftentimes it's just because we don't understand where the other person's coming from. And so the whole show is this unraveling of you don't know what's happening. You don't know why it's happening. And you join the characters being like, well, this is the logical way to respond to this. And then suddenly the world changes. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, now this makes sense. Then they should do this. And then the whole world changes. And then, oh, now this is how they should operate. And then the whole world changes. And it's like just this constant revealing of more facts that make you start to realize everything you thought at the beginning was an absolute lie. Oh yeah. And That's and it makes you helps you understand why people it's it's that whole idea of human nature struggling with being able to understand each other. Yeah. The world building is brilliant in that show. Yeah. That's my favorite part is trying to puzzle through all the different plots and things that they're hinting at and revealing mm-hmm. about the world and there's so many things going on. Um and there's just like one of my favorite uh, authors always says, um, "There's always one more secret." This is mm-hmm. the author, but um, that show really exemplifies that. There's reveal after reveal after reveal that just completely shake you up, and yet you know there's still more secrets. Mm-hmm. There's still more to find out about this world that they've made. So. Anyways, big yeah. tangent about Attack on Titan when we were wrapping up. Sorry, I really yeah. like that show. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, for me, that was, especially in season one, I think season one of Attack on Titan was what really hooked me. I I haven't been as as amped about the subsequent seasons as I was about season one. Um, another great anime, we uh, Father Steve mentioned it earlier, was Erased. I think a race is a fantastic option for a kind of a gateway uh, to kind of introduce you to anime because the themes are um, far more relatable uh, and whatnot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just taking a look here. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think there's also like, if you're anything like me, I love a really good laugh and uh but not something that's incredibly far-fetched so uh a show like hinamatsuri uh that makes me that that show made me laugh so much um yeah so i i don't know would you recommend that father steve for somebody who might be more into a comedy show i'm trying to think if uh, maybe, I mean, uh, I'd have to, it's been a while since I, I, since we've seen it. So I'm trying to remember how it all unfolds. Yeah. Cause I know that sometimes with a comedy in, in, in uh, a Japanese comedy, you almost need to be familiar first with some of the cultural, uh, norms and, uh, some of the typical cues and tropes that happen in anime. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar with some of those things, some of the jokes will go right over your head and you may just be like, what is this? This is bizarre. So sometimes I find the comedies, 
you almost need to have a little bit of experience in anime first to properly appreciate it. And then you'll be like rolling on the floor, you know, it can be really, really funny, but um, I, I can't, I can't think offhand whether this one, whether that applies or not. And it may, it may be an okay entryway into that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I enjoyed that one. Um, I think one punch man also, Based yeah, on that's the an comedy. easy one that a lot of people like very yeah. commonly because it's just because it, it it even mocks the whole idea of superheroes in general. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about a guy and that's- who can basically defeat anyone in a single punch, <laughs> and his just life is just so so miserable and tragic because he misses the thrill of fighting, and he's just like <laughs> it's just so boring. Yeah. I just walk into a fight and punch the guy and it's done. It's like well, I better go. That's shopping. a show where. Like everyone, not everyone, but like a lot of people um, at work, my coworkers love that show and don't watch anime just because yeah. a couple people at work like recommended it and a whole bunch of people watched it and loved it because it's just really accessible. Yeah, humor. it's a very easy one to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd recommend that. Um, yeah. Did we miss anybody? Did everybody give their their overarching recommendations for? Did Brooke? Yeah, she started with um, Ghibli Studio Ghibli. Oh, the, right, the right, Studio right, Ghibli. Ghibli movies. Yeah. 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 And those are accessible too, right? Like, you know, Dis- Disney owns the rights to distribute the Ghibli movies in America. They're often very, very well done, like sub and dub. Um, yeah, it's easy to find them. It's easy to buy them. Yeah, yeah. they have they have a lot. And of most of them very, are pretty. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, there's several titles that are very very safe for kids to watch. Like, you know. yeah, but they're they're done well enough that a parent and a child can sit and watch it together, yeah. and uh, you don't have to worry about getting a song stuck in your head and the kids singing it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I get parent the songs, songs from. Totoro and Ponyo stuck in my head, but you I don't really them. mind. You love them. I just go around singing them, actually. I still I sing them all the time. <laughs> they're just so lighthearted and they're just so pleasant. So pleasant to watch. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I uh I just wanna finish uh before we do our final spiel by saying Billy and Father Steve. And of course, Mike and Brooke, thank you for joining me finally on this podcast. It's been uh, a long time coming, and we're really glad that you're able to join us. Um, you guys are great. It's great having all of us together to talk about this because I mean, we have a we have our own Facebook group <laughs> where we're constantly <laughs> chatting about the animes we watch and sharing memes and whatnot. So it's it's kind of cool to for us to all get together and talk about it. So. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. That's great. All right. Well, uh, so let's, uh, let's close this off. So uh, thank you to everyone for listening to today's podcast. We're really glad that you joined us. If you have not yet, we would love for you to, to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the most choicest of podcasts. Uh, if you are a, f- 
a fan of social media, we would love for you to give us a follow. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. If you want to throw us an email, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. All of our past episodes and show notes can be found at theologyofthebuddy.com. Next week, uh, we are, I think we're getting back into our liturgical breakdown. So uh, make sure you're subscribed so you'll know when it comes out. All of our episodes are released every Wednesday. So until then, sayonara. Stay Stay tready. tready. Stay tready. Stay tready. Stay tready. Stay tready. Stay tready.